Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to Oakwood. Glad to see you guys all here this morning. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Bruce Paris, and I've been coming to Oakwood for around 30 years, and I'm one of the elders here. Um, PD's on vacation again. He says he's resting. I'm not sure that's true. How many of you think PD rests? Yeah, that's what I think, too. He's one of the few guys I know that's actually busier than I am. But he's enjoying himself, so that's what counts. A few weeks ago, I was sitting in the back row over there. You can see, oh, there's my beautiful wife is in the back row today, Shireen. And my son Caleb is with us. My other son Seth is working this morning. And I have an adult daughter named Danielle. But I was sitting in the back row a few weeks ago with my wife. And we were pretty crowded that morning. You guys ever notice the ushers start kind of wanting you to move in? You know, you might notice them walking by. And all finally we get the notice, hey, can you move in a little bit? And of course, there are a couple seats next to me. And I thought, well, I can, you know, slide over a couple seats. So I slide over two seats. And uh, sure enough, a couple comes in and stands next to me. And we're singing praise and worship. I'm not thinking a thing about it. But I do notice a young lady standing next to me. Her and her mom switch spots. And I go, okay, she must want to sit next to her dad. <clears throat> all of a sudden... The mom leans over to me and she goes, she doesn't like sitting next to someone she doesn't know. (laughs) So I kindly reach around the mom, reach out my hand and say, hi, my name's Bruce. Now that you know me, you can sit next to me. (laughs) So I'm sure that made her feel a lot more comfortable, right? So I don't know if she's here this morning, but she'll probably remember my name now. So if you look down your row, take a peek, look down your row. If there's somebody you don't know, you don't know their name. If there's somebody in your row and you don't know your name, take the time to tell them your name. Because sometimes you'll see that person and you're supposed to know their name and you can't remember it. It's like, okay, what is their name? So take a few minutes, make sure you know their name. Because I don't want anybody being uncomfortable today. So, at least not from who you sit next to. If God's Word makes you uncomfortable today, that's okay. Because that's probably the Holy Spirit working on you. Oh, we even have old-timers here, man. They've been here longer than I have. Look at this. It's amazing what summer does. A few weeks ago, I seen this row and it looked like down-home week. A bunch of families that used to come here and moved away were all here. So it's a great thing when we have people come back that used to be at Oakwood, especially when they were at Oakwood when I started coming here. So today we're going to look at what Jesus says about abundant and abundant life. It tells us in John 10.10 that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. Um, Do you guys remember back when PD was having back trouble? I don't know, about 16, 17 months ago or something? He was having serious back problems. So we're having an elder meeting on a Tuesday night, and PD comes in, and he's going to explain to us how he plans to preach over the next few weeks. So he comes in, and he, he's in extreme pain. To talk to us, he's got to lean on a chair just to talk to us. So he gives us his plan, you know, how he's going to do this over the next three, three or four weeks, and as he's leaving, he just has pain walking out. So being the good elders we are, as soon as he leaves, someone says, we better have a backup plan. And that point went into a deep discussion of everybody kind of looking at one another and saying, they're talking to you, you know. 
they give you the head nod like, it's going to be you. <clears throat> so I go home that night, don't think much about it. That night I had a dream. And I'm sitting over here in the back, right where I used to sit all the time. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, service is about to start, and someone runs up. P.D.'s not here, you're going to have to speak. So being who I am, I jump right into action. <clears throat> what about Jim? After all, he is chairman of the elder board. What about Jim? And they politely say, Jim's not here. It's going to have to be you. So I follow that up with, what about Roger? Roger's a good speaker. Let him get up. He can do it. Roger's not here neither. It's going to have to be you. So I reach under the chair in front of me, and I grab the Bible, and I walk up here, and I'm thinking to myself, what am I possibly going to say today? So I put the Bible down and I think, whatever it comes to when I open that page, the first verse I see, I'm going to preach on that. I open the book and I look down and it's blank. <laughs> I turn a few more pages, it's blank. There's no words in this book. So I look out toward everybody and I think, say something. They're waiting for you to say something. And it comes to me. Just tell them about what God's doing in your life. Right when then when I go to speak, John 10.10 comes to mind. Christ came to give me life and life more abundant. And then I wake up and I say, Lord, what was that all about? So I pray myself back to sleep and I wake up the next morning and it's the first thing on my mind and I say, Lord, if you ask me to speak again, I'm going to speak on John 10.10. Unless PD gives me something else to talk about or in some other series... So this past week when I was getting ready, I'm like, Lord, John 10.10, 10, is there something else you want me to do? So as the week went on, my life felt <clears throat> far from being abundant. I had all kinds of struggles, spiritual struggles, <clears throat> mental struggles, physical struggles. <clears throat> and of course, I send out prayers to my friends. I'm like, Lord, you sure this is what you want me to talk on? Because I'm not sure I understand it at the moment. <clears throat> so whenever I talk about Jesus it can make me get emotional. And when I talk about Jesus in my life, it can make me be very emotional. And if I got to talk about Jesus when I'm tired, <clears throat> it could be very emotional. So I'm just giving you a warning today. I'm tired. <laughs> I didn't sleep well last night. I'm tired this morning. So, so bear with me. If I'm talking about Jesus and I get emotional today, <clears throat> that's just because that's what Jesus does for me. As my friend Doug would say, <clears throat> it's Jesus and only Jesus. And my friend Doug, he's having some real struggles. And whenever I need prayer, I send it to Doug. I know he's going to pray. You want someone on the other end that you know they're going to be praying for you. So if you wouldn't mind, let's take another moment this morning and pray for Doug and Pat Robinson. They need prayer today. So we'll just take a few moments right now and pray for Doug. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. Doug is our prayer warrior, Lord. He sent scripture out to all of us. Lord, I just lift Doug up to you today. I lift Pat up to you today, Lord. May the Holy Spirit just be with them today and you take care of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me see where I'm at. <clears throat> What's the big idea? Till I can't. Jesus said he came to give me life and life more abundant. Today we look at God's word and what it says about this abundant life. 
Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you life, and life more abundant. Those of us who already placed our faith in Jesus have already received this abundant life. But we sometimes have difficulty experiencing it. Why is it so difficult for us to experience the abundant life we read about in John 10.10? We allow our situations in life to get in the way. We all have things in our life that get in the way. Both good and bad things. Sometimes they just get in the way of the abundant life that Jesus has promised us. We all have stuff. All of us have learned over the years some form of the great lie. If I only had this, then I would be happy. What is your this? What is your this this morning? If you only had this, I'd be happy. If I had a great job, then I would be happy. When I get that new car, then I'll be happy. And for some of us, when I get another car, then I'd be happy. If I could just have my marriage work the way I'd like to be, then I would be happy. If I could get those kids to behave, then I could be happy. (laughs) My wife probably says that same thing. I meant about myself. What is it that would make you happy? Jesus never promised us happiness. Scripture tells us, though we now have a spirit of God living in us, our old self remains. Our earthly lives include a battle to live by the spirit or to live by the flesh. Jesus never promised us great health or great wealth or an easy road. You may have heard it said, the one you feed is the one that thrives. What is the abundant life? What is the abundant life mentioned in John 10.10? Is it riches? Is it comfort? Is it a life with no difficulties? Is it having everything we desire? The Bible teaches us these things do not satisfy. Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes to inform us that having everything you want does not satisfy the soul. Solomon proved it by pursuing all the worldly treasures, and still he wound up empty. Now all the worldly treasures could satisfy Solomon's soul. Our old self can only seed a weak and inconsistent harvest. Refusing to fall for the lies of this world involves us deliberately planting seeds of spiritual truth. We know our salvation is not based on work, but it does take some intentional effort on our part to harvest the abundant life God has planted in us. The more we plant, the more we harvest. Proverbs 24 says, A slacker will not plow in season. So at harvest, he looks, but he finds nothing. If we dedicate ourselves to planting spiritual fruit, 
In due time, it will mature. How much we enjoy the abundant life God has given us in regards to how much we sow is left up to us. What truly satisfies is of the Spirit. Let's take a look at what the Bible says about sowing. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever sows, he shall also reap. What are we sowing? The Apostle Paul goes on, For the one who sows in the flesh will reap corruption from the flesh, but the one who sows in the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. As we seek the Lord, we invest in our spiritual life. We are investing in a harvest. We need to recognize that the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Our choices matter. The one who souls to the flesh may one day look around and see their lives are full of negative thoughts, negative people, life-draining habits, life-draining relationships, and negative thought patterns. If we desire abundant harvest, we need to be planting fruit that will produce it. Romans 8, 6, to set your mind on the flesh is death. But set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. We need to plant seeds that will produce fruit. How do we plant for abundance? Sowing for the abundant harvest. Several things come to mind. Excuse me. I think my clicker didn't advance. Anyways, um, several things come to mind. Faith, scripture, gratitude, discipline, and prayer. Faith. When we look at faith, without it, it is impossible to please God. Faith needs to be foundation of your life. Hebrews 11.6 And without it, it is impossible to please God because everyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It takes faith to believe in Jesus. Though we live in a physical world, our life is also spiritual. Faith lives in the spiritual realm. It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We are on a journey through this life by faith, not by the things we see. Faith is believing in God and trusting in Him. Faith helps us live day by day. To enlarge our faith, we must first need to know more about God and what His Word says. Romans Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith helps us say no to our old self and yes to the Spirit. Sowing sowing into our lives, faith helps us harvest the abundant life God has already given us. 
Jesus urges his followers to pray with a measure of expectancy. We must truly believe God is willing and able to provide for each and every one of our needs. When we ask in faith and do not doubt, we fully expect to receive the desires of our hearts. Your faith leads to abundant life in Christ. I pray with an expectancy. I expect God to answer my prayers. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's maybe. I know, you probably heard it said wait. My youngest son once told asked me for something, and I looked at him and said, maybe. And the look on his face was really excited. I go, why are you so excited that I said maybe? And he goes, your maybe means yes. <laughs> so I like to thank my Heavenly Father. <clears throat> his maybe is yes also. Because God's Word tells me that if I know how to give good gifts, He even knows how to give better gifts. <clears throat> Some people get have a, a bucket list. Anybody have a bucket list? Well, at our house, we have an adventure list. Because living with me is an adventure. <clears throat> so we have an adventure list. And uh, for the last 15 months or so, I've been working hard at this list. And uh, one of the reasons I work hard on this list is health concern. Health con- concern became a big issue for me. Excuse me. And uh, I thought, I better get moving on this list. Because I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So we had a trip planned, and we're going out to Arizona. So I planned a trip, and I got it all worked out. Uh, we're going to land in Phoenix. We're going to drive up to Sedona. We're going to hike for the day, spend a couple days there, drive back down to Phoenix and visit a friend. So this trip means uh, we're, our plane flight's at 6 a.m. Because we all look for the cheapest flight, right? Cheapest flight up to Phoenix that day for us is 6 a.m., that's not a big issue, right? It means you've got to get up at 3. So you get up at 3, you head to the airport. We're waiting in the airport. And I've flown to Phoenix many times. I've been going to Phoenix for over 30 years. This is the first time I ever went to Phoenix for vacation. All of a sudden, I realized something's up. You see this guy with a suit come on and grab the microphone behind the desk, and he says, Pilot just told us his plane won't be going anywhere today. But he goes on to say, but he doesn't have the last word. The maintenance guy, the maintenance supervisor does. But then he tells us, please do not come up to the desk, but you might want to start looking for alternative plans. So I'm thinking, well, what does that mean? So I open up my Delta app and I realize this is the first time in my life I booked a trip through Priceline. I'm not sure what to do. I got to buy a new ticket to get out of here today. So I start looking at tickets available, and they're going fast. While I'm looking, they're just disappearing because some of these people must want to go. So at about that time, I just think, I'm going up to the desk. So by the time I, by the time I get up to the desk, there are several people there already, and I'm several people back. A lot of commotion going on, and I'm trying to get a handle on what's going on, and I'm praying. And I finally think, there's two ladies waiting on the Phoenix desk, and right next to it is a trip to Chicago. They're leaving to Chicago, and that plane is leaving. They've already boarded. They're ready to taxi out. And I start praying for the lady in front of me. The other lady looks like she's just going to be busy handling this one person. And all of a sudden, I realize all these people have checked bags. So I lean forward. I'm a couple people back still. I lean forward, and I don't have any bags. So I step back, and I keep praying. 
All of a sudden, I look over and tell Shereen, get up. She comes up, what? I go, get her bags. Why? I go, we're headed to Chicago. And she's like, what? I go, I'm expecting to get on that flight to Chicago. So all of a sudden, the lady reaches around those people in front of me, and she goes, sir, she goes, Here's two boarding classes to Chicago. You need to get on that plane right now. They're leaving right now. Here's your bags checked. Put them at the end of the runway. When you get to Chicago, they'll be on the runway for you. And here's boarding passes to get to Phoenix. We were the last two people to get on that flight to Chicago. We're all excited. We're in the last two seats at the back of the plane. It's a small plane. The stewards even folded down a little jump seat and sat in between me and Shereen and talked to us the whole way. So I'm pretty excited, right? God took care of it for me. Sometimes it's so easy. But the story doesn't end there. After we went, we got out to Sedona later in the day for us. Worked out better. I checked in a hotel, got to have a coffee. We got to see the sunset as we're walking back from the trail. We went down to Phoenix. We visited some friends. The day before we were supposed to leave, Shereen asked me, did you check us in yet? I go, no, I didn't. I didn't get a notice. You know, Delta always pushes everything out and makes it easy for you to check in. She goes, well, don't you think you should look into it? So I go to my Delta app, and I don't see anything. So I go to Priceline. Yeah, you're right there. It's even got my seat number right here. We got our seats right here. I go back to Delta, and she goes, well, maybe you better call and check. Okay. I call. Anybody call an airline company? <laughs> you might as well keep checking on your phone, because that's all that's going to happen. You're not going to get anywhere. So we get nowhere, and I go, do you want to drive down to the airport? She goes, no. So we spend our day, do everything we do. Come to the airport in the morning, go to leave, put my credit card in the kiosk, nothing. Lady comes up to me, can I help you, sir? I go, yeah, it doesn't tell me anything. She immediately takes me over, puts me in front of some lady. I hand her my ID, my credit card, and she looks up at me, and she goes, how can I help you today? I go, well, I'm booked on a flight to Detroit. She goes, punches the number, she looks up, you're not booked on any flight. You don't have a ticket, and you don't have a reservation. And I'm like what are you talking about? I've I've already looked. I got a seat. She proceeds to tell me, you don't have a reservation because it was canceled when you didn't show up to your flight in Detroit on time. They canceled your ticket. So I look and I got my Delta app. It shows me where they canceled the flight. So I politely find it and I show her. Delta canceled the flight. Somebody else put me on a flight to Chicago and then I got to Phoenix. Well, that might be how you got here, but that's not how you're getting home. She goes, you don't have a ticket. Which I politely said, can I speak to someone else? There's no one going to help you. You don't have a reservation. You don't have a ticket, and you're not getting on a plane today. So, of course, we've been praying already, right? I try to pray for everything. So I asked her, what can you do for me? She goes, here. I'll give you a standby on the flight that you were supposed to be on, but you're not getting out of here today. I'm like, okay. So she gives us a couple of standby boarding passes. We go to the gate. I hand them to the lady, and she says, oh, it doesn't look good. Our flight's overbooked now, and I got like nine people ahead of you. Okay. A little while later, she says to me, are you interested if one of you could go? I go, well, I'll think about it. And Shereen says, you go. And I'm like, it's not like I got to be back to work. I am somewhat retired, but still working. I'm like, I'm not leaving you here. I'm like, what are you going to get out? I'm I'm the one with the experience at the airport. I'll stay. Well, she's not going to leave neither. Finally comes around. We're sitting and we're looking. 
And they finally start calling you to board. You know how they have all these classes. <clears throat> Diamond, platinum, platinum gold, silver gold. They're calling them all. They finally call all the people on the plane. And I'm sitting there. I look around and there is no one left in this gate. And I'm thinking to myself, what do I do now? They already said I don't have a ticket. So all of a sudden, I get up and start getting ready. And Shreen goes to me, what are you doing? I go, I'm getting ready to get on that plane. Because <clears throat> I got my little ritual. Anybody got a ritual to get on a plane? I got to make sure I got some earbuds. Got to have my neck roll. And more importantly, I got to have some meds in my pocket because I don't know what will happen to me once I get on the plane. And she goes, why are you doing that? I go, because that's what I'm expected to do. I need to be ready to get on that plane. And I know she looks at me and thinks, I'm not sure why you're doing this. So I get all my stuff ready, and Shreen finally stands up, and I look, and here comes the lady. And she's got two boarding passes in her hands and two baggage tickets. And she goes, here, I got you some baggage tickets. She gives me a routine. Put them on your back. She puts them on my back. Put them at the end of the runway. You will have to pick them up in baggage claim. I got you both on a plane, but you're not sitting next to each other. My God can get me on a plane even when I don't have a ticket. My God can do immeasurably more than I can ask for or imagine. Pray with expectancy. Pray with faith to believe. Scripture, God's Word. Scripture, to plant seeds of truth in our hearts and the renewal of our mind. We, we have faith-growing tools available to us 24-7. We all have the Bible available to us. Almost all of us have a Bible app nowadays. We can just open up the Bible app. We read the Bible on our tablets nowadays. I look stuff up on my laptop. Some of us still have a Bible on a nightstand next to our bed. We all have access to God's Word. God's Word is alive and active. It is alive with the Spirit and gains the power to change our lives. How many of us here this morning would like to see their life changed? I came to Oakwood some 30 years ago because I needed my life to change. My life has changed so much since I've been here, and God's not done with me. And God's not done with you. If you need your life to change, if you desire for your life to change, it's in God's Word. God's Word says He could change your life. Romans 12, 2 is, Do not be formed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul urges us not to follow after things of this world, and not to believe they can satisfy us. He encourages us to renew our mind and experience transformation. The renewing of the mind requires planting seeds of truth to replace the old lie. We need the truth, and the truth is found in God's Word. A regular diet of God's Word will change us. We will know how He wants us to live and how He has empowered us. As we plant seeds 
of God's word in our hearts, we'll reap a harvest of seeing his amazing grace and his abundant love for us. We'll gather a crop of wisdom from his word that will help us navigate this life and give us the ability to love others and live in peace. So when scripture into our lives enhances our faith and helps us to lay hold of the abundant life we already possess in Christ. Are you sowing seeds for a bountiful harvest? That brings us to worship. Aligning our hearts with God. Psalms 95.6 says, Come let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before our Lord, our Maker. Worshiping God helps us, helps us rightly align our hearts with Him as the first priority in our lives. Participating in worship fosters the fruit of the Spirit. If we want to experience more of God's abundant life, we must keep ourselves and God in the proper order in our hearts. Hey, the higher lights helped me. They went up, the lights went up for a moment. Praise and worship helps keep our hearts in the proper, proper order. Psalm 33 describes praise as fitting for those who trust in God. God deserves our worship. Doing so places things in a proper perspective for us. We are humble before God and we acknowledge Him as high above. Worshiping helps God rightly align our hearts with Him as the first priority in our lives. That brings us to gratitude. A thankful heart experiences joy. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says it plainly. It is God's will for us to give thanks in everything. Gratitude is pleasing to God. A thankful heart experiences joy. How kind it is for God to instruct us to be thankful so that we can experience more fruit of the Spirit. God makes it simple for us. Be thankful. Be kind. A friend of mine called me this week and he says, make sure you tell the people to be thankful. And make sure you tell the people to be kind. And I go, I got a section on gratitude. I'll make sure they know to be thankful and to be kind. God's word tells us to be thankful and to be kind. But God's word also says it, did not, it, says it would not be easy. In James 1, it tells us, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. And you will face trials. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But the second part of the verse says that I came that you can have life and life more abundant. Developing a habit of gratitude re- releases the abundant life God has placed in us. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Psalms 104, enter into my gates with thanksgiving and in his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and praise his name. Experiencing joy requires us to have a thankful heart. Is your heart thankful today?
discipline, a spiritual harvest. For some people, the word discipline causes us to cringe and think of it as rigorous training or punishment. Saying that discipline is good is good for you doesn't make it any easier and doesn't make us welcome it. Maybe a closer look will bring us to, to open ourselves to discipline in a new way. Hebrews 12.11 says, Now all discipline seems painful at the moment, not joyful, but later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The verse invites us to embrace discipline with the promise of peace and righteousness. I know discipline is difficult for all of us. Uh, Margaret is one of the most disciplined people that I know. If you guys know Margaret, she's a, a plant-based diet expert, and she's my nutrition coach. And I can tell you, she is the most disciplined person I know when it comes to nutrition. When you guys have food out here after church, I want to go out there and pick something up, and I'm looking around to see if Margaret's looking. <laughs> then I see Mark with a cookie. So I think, I'm getting a cookie. So I go grab a cookie, and I eat that cookie, and that lasts for about 30 seconds, and then I start thinking about, why did I eat that? Discipline can be a challenge for all of us, but discipline is good for us. God's redirection is part of our training, as we remember that Jesus came so that we may know the abundant life. You may have heard it on an illustration that compares the spiritual life with driving a car uphill. If the vehicle's in neutral, it doesn't merely sit still. The car rolls backwards. Your spiritual life works the same way. You're either going forward toward Jesus or you're going backwards. There is no neutral in the spiritual life. And I can feel this in my own life. I'm either going toward God or I'm going away from God. And going away from God today for me, that just means I'm in neutral. doesn't mean I'm running away anymore. I'm just sitting there and not going anywhere and I'm sliding backwards. We must intentionally sow into the spiritual discipline of reading God's word, praying through needs, worshiping, giving thanks, and walking by faith. As we do, we deepen and strengthen our relationship with God, which in turn increases our capacity to harvest the abundant life. This leads us to prayer. Clearly, excuse me, Prayer is essential to our relationship with God. Clearly, prayer is essential to our relationship with God. Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life in your presence and your fullness of joy at the right hand and pleasures forevermore. This is how we draw near to God and experience Him drawing near to us. Prayer is an intentional conversation when we worship and give thanks. Prayer is a place of shelter because we can trust God. He already knows our every emotion, every thought, and our every weakness. As we sow seeds of worship, giving thanks and prayer in our daily lives opens our eyes to the bountiful life that Christ has already given us. As we sow seeds, worship, the bountiful life that Christ has placed in us is available. The abundant joy we experience through prayer is in Jesus. My friend Doug says, 
It's Jesus and only Jesus. He'll tell you, you can go stomping through the muck all you want, but when you're all done, all you're going to have is Jesus and only Jesus. Prayer is essential to our relationship with God. Pray with an expectancy. Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty-two through 24, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast it into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever thing you ask for when you pray, believe you will receive it, and then you will, <clears throat> and then you will have them. Jesus tells us to pray with an expectancy. Jesus says he'll move that mountain in your life if you pray without doubting. My mountain in my life is my health. I expect to be well every day. Every morning I get up expecting today's the day all these symptoms I experience are behind me. Today's the day God's going to take all these away from me and I'm going to move forward. And then some days it doesn't happen. Some days... Like last night, in the middle of the night, I had a rough night. But that doesn't mean I'm going to have a rough day. So I expect to have a great day. You need to pray with expectancy. What's your mountain? Abundant life. On my adventure list is a trip to Winter Park, Colorado. 24 years ago, excuse me, I might get emotional. Shereen and I got engaged on April 9th in Winter Park, Colorado. And oh, did I have a plan. If we get engaged in Winter Park, Colorado, that'll give us a reason to always go back and I could be skiing. That was my plan. We'll get engaged in Winter Park, Colorado, and we'll go back. 24 years later, I think I better get this done now. Because I don't know what tomorrow brings. So I make a plan. I find us a place to stay right at the base of the mountain. I book us the flight. I'm all set. And then I tell Shereen. And she goes, do you know that's Easter Sunday? (laughs) Of course I knew it's Easter Sunday. I'm going to be in Colorado. So I had to let my family know we're not going to be there for Easter. Let my kids know we're not going to be there for Easter. Because on April 9th, I'm going to be in Winter Park, Colorado. So for about three months, I physically get ready to go to Winter Park. When I exercise and work out, that means I could be in extreme pain for four days, maybe longer. I'm usually in pain before, <clears throat> before I go back to the gym. I'm still in pain. Some days I'm okay for hours in the morning, and the next thing I know I'm in the gym working out, and someone will look at me. I thought you were having trouble. I am, but I'm not having trouble right now. So, as we board the plane to leave, the pilot says to us, it could be a rough flight. It looks like we're going to have a rough flight all the way to Denver. That's the first time I heard a pilot say that when I get on the plane. And he was right. It was a rough flight. So when I'm on a plane, I'm usually praying anyways. Whenever there's turbulence, I pray for God to stop them. If Joshua can pray for God to stop the sun... I can surely pray for God to stop the turbulence. So I pray for them to find clean air. 
It's a rough flight all the way. So I'm on an aisle seat. Shreen's an aisle seat across from me. I finally close my eyes because the plane is moving around so much. I'm not liking what I'm seeing in my eyes. So I close my eyes. We're praying and we're almost there. And you know the sound of the plane. You can hear the landing gear go down. I go, oh, landing gear's down. We're almost there. Well, I've been on enough plane to know I hear the hydraulic sounds. He's suggesting the flaps. We are going down. So about that time, I look over across the people sitting next to me. I can see the runway. We are down. Praise the Lord. We made it. About that time, I hear the plane pilot go the full throttle. The plane is still going down, but he puts it to full throttle, and up we go. And we are going up fast. And the plane is shaking violently. He comes on and tells us we're going to overshoot the runway. So we had to take back off. He goes, we got to come in with a different direction so we don't have so much tailwind. So we loop around, go up to like 12,000 feet. We come back on, we land. <laughs> Pilot comes on and says, excuse me, no one can get out of their seat. Several people have got sick. We need to pick up all the bags. Well, that's a new one for me. <laughs> so then he comes on and says, we have a medical emergency. You cannot get off the plane until we take care of the medical emergency. Eventually, we make it off that plane, we make it to our destination, and we have a beautiful place to stay. Mm. So from our room, you step out, the hot tub's there, you can see the mountain there, and it's gorgeous. So we're all set. I got a plan, right? I'm going to ski on Thursday, rest on Friday, ski on Saturday, and then whatever Sunday brings, Sunday brings. It's Easter Sunday, we can watch service online, and if we can make it out on the mountain, we go. In the middle of the night, I leap out of bed. I have a cramp in my calf muscle, and it is bad. The muscle's locked up, and I can't get it out. So I'm I'm doing everything I know how to do. And believe me, I have a lot of experience with cramps. So I take a couple baby aspirin because it's... I do think, well, maybe I've got a blood clot or something in my leg from the flight because it's painful. Eventually, I get the cramp to go away, but that muscle's in pain. About that time, I sit down and realize, oh, I'm not well. Left side of my face has gone numb, my left arm's gone numb, and I'm not doing well. So I start sending text messages out for prayer. And for me, I like to tell people what's wrong because I want them to pray for the muscle in my leg to feel better. First message comes back, you better get to the hospital. Second message comes back, maybe you should see a doctor. None of those are the prayer answers I'm looking for. (laughs) I'm used to getting messages back saying, God's got this. We're praying for you, Bruce. You'll be okay. So I send back to these two people, I'm okay. <clears throat> Been there, done this. I'll be okay. Just pray for my leg. <clears throat> Shreem had nodded back off, and I'm doing everything I can still to get better. She wakes up, and she goes, how you doing? And I go, I can't ski today. <clears throat> so I'm extremely disappointed. I can't ski today. And to be honest, I really don't know if I'm going to ski, build a ski on Friday. So a little while later, she goes, what do you want to do? I go, I want to go pick up our, my skis. Because I had rented skis from a place. And she's like, do you think you really need to go get your skis? I go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get my skis. So we go get my skis. And I do everything I can to get better. Get up on Friday morning. And I put my foot in that ski boot. And it lands right where that cramp is. And it hurts. 
So I take off the boots. I'm going to have to wear my hiking boots out to, the, <clears throat> out to the slope. And it's not a long walk for us. So we go over there, and there's a big uh, group of kids skiing. So they're all taking up a spot in the lodge. So I weasel with them, hide my boots and stuff over there. So we pray. We go out on the mountain, and we ski for six hours. My wife's got an app on her, her watch that tells us how far we traveled. She goes, do you know we went 25 miles today? This thing, we even go to her phone, show her where we've been on the mountain. It says we traveled uphill 10 miles. I rode a chairlift 10 miles that day. So, of course, I text PD a nice photo from the highest place I can find on the highest chairlift. I sent that to PD. Over the next three days, I skied for over 45 miles. My guy could do immensely more than I asked for or that I can imagine. And I'm going to keep doing it until I can't. I'm going to keep <clears throat> seeking my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ until I can't. Because the abundant life that Christ promised us is in Him. And if I get out of the way, I can have more of it. And you can have more of it. God's got a plan for all of us. God's got a plan to take all this away from me. It might be on this side of heaven or the other, but one way it's going to go. I just believe in that it's today. I'm expecting everything to be well today. You need to pray with expectancy. You need to believe with all your heart that God's got this. It might not be yes. might be no. But maybe it's a maybe. And maybe it's okay. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. You're such an awesome God and worthy of our praise, Lord. Lord, the abundant life we seek is in you, Father. Father, we will seek you until we can't. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to bring this message to your people, Lord. I just pray that it affected somebody's heart today and may they seek you more. In Jesus' name, they all said, Amen. Amen.